So I, I started off with the sermon talking about that I love to cause pain to myself. I'll go ahead and give you a few seconds. I, I jumped the gun on that one. Okay, so I started off with the sermon this morning talking about I love pain, specifically inflicting it upon myself. I don't know why. That's just the way I am and what I do. But I just want you to know I'm an equal opportunity inflictor. And so it's kind of the reason I got into to ministry, specifically into preaching, because it means that every week um, I get to inflict pain upon you and you're just stuck here and you just have to have to deal with it. So uh, what I want to do this morning um, is I want us, uh, I want to put on you, which was put on me, is I want you to form your theology of ministry. And you're already like, whoa, 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 that was your class, you signed up for it, not me. And two, I'm not a minister, and, and I shouldn't have to do this. And so, we're all students, and we're all ministers. Uh, you minister in some form or fashion, uh, but your, your church... Uh, may look like the family that you gather around the table with or the people that you sit around the conference room with or the classroom where you teach. That is that is the, the church that you're ministering to or your neighbor that you talk to as you go out and get the newspaper. This is, we're, we're all ministers, okay? And I think we can become better ministers and better worshipers of God when we clearly define in our own minds when we articulate who he is and what he has done. And so I just want to open this up uh, to you. Um, I have uh, what, what you heard this morning is kind of the basis of a, a paper that I have to turn in uh, at the end of this week, uh, which is my th theology of ministry. And so my theology of ministry, who God is, one example, one attribute of God is that he is a, and I won't write it down on this one because you've already heard it, but who is God? God is Redeemer. Okay, in the biblical examples, it's all throughout the Old and New Testament. You know, I didn't even jump into the New Testament, but this morning, uh, I, if I had had time, what I would have loved to talk about uh, is uh, Jesus in the garden, Judas shows up, he, he gives them a kiss indicating uh, that that is the, the Jesus. Uh, and so he's immediately surrounded by guards. They, they come out and he says, hey, you know, why are you coming at me like this? Is, is this who you really think that I am? And then what happens after that? They scatter and run. In fact, uh, it, it even goes so far to say that one man who was there was only in an outer uh, cloth when he goes to run, somebody tries to grab him, they pull off his, his outer garment, and he literally runs away naked. Like, that's how badly they wanted to get away from Jesus. Like, he was like, uh, he was almost like a pariah, the guy who that they had followed. Now they would do anything to get away from him. Uh, his followers, they all scattered. And you just think, I mean, there is Jesus at that moment all alone. And the people who he had 
had uh, worshipped with, the people he had taught, the people who he had traveled with over years, all of a sudden, I mean, just in a minute, they, they leave. And, you know, only a God who redeems says, okay, I'm not going to give up on these guys. And ultimately, his sacrifice on the cross was for the ones who ran. And that includes all of us. And so there's um, all these biblical examples. So for, to answer that question, I said, how does that transform me? Well, it transforms me in two ways. One, I see myself as the one redeemed. Okay, I, I, I realize that I'm, I am like those Israelites. I am like the apostles who ran. I'm like, you know, the the Adam and Eve who were told not to eat that that one thing, but I did it anyway. I mean, all throughout the Bible we have these stories, and I just realized that that's that is me in each of those stories. I mean, that's why we really like those stories because we can identify with people who make mistakes. You know, the the, the David who can slay giants on one day. And then on another day, he is literally finding a way to kill one of his, his, his mighty men, one of his faithful followers, because he decided he wanted to have his wife and ended up getting her pregnant. I mean, this is just the up and down of these people. So the, the first way it transforms me is that I realize that I'm redeemed. I don't have to be stuck out in the desert. I don't have to be the one that God says, I've had enough of it. And then the second part of how I'm transformed by that attribute of God is I realize that in the same way that I have been redeemed, I am called to let others know that they are redeemed too. And that, that affects me in a big way because I understand that the grace isn't just for me, but I'm also to extend it to other people. If God would say, look, I'm going to save the people you know, who are standing at the Jordan complaining and saying, I want to go back. You know, part of me says, okay, fine, go back. But if God says, I'm, I'm going to deliver you anyway, then, then if I, I want to truly allow my worship to um, remind me of who God is, then I have to be willing to do that. And, and then the metaphor I used, and I don't know how well this portion is going to work, but uh, the, the, the metaphor that I have in thinking about this comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For those of you who have a, have a good memory uh, or read the Bible a lot, you're like, ah, I know exactly where he's going with this. It says, but we have this treasure in what? Jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And I, I think this is a good metaphor in thinking about an attribute of God as redeeming qualities is that we we are jars of clay. Another metaphor I like to think about in this is, is we are potholes. <laughs> uh, have you ever thought about being a pothole? What do you think about a pothole? Nothing good, right? Nothing good is from a pothole. We try to avoid those. They're mistakes. They're useless. But every once in a while, not around here, but some places it rains. 
and those potholes then can be filled up with water and it's just neat to see every once in a while you'll see those birds come up and they'll start drinking out of that pothole something that seems so useless can contain something so valuable and so I think that's just a metaphor to remind us that that we are we are hard-pressed we're, we're crushed uh, you know we're in in despair but but God can still fill us up so I just want you, there's a lot of different attributes of God. And so what we're going to do is, uh, I want somebody to, to name who God is. We're going to have an attribute of God. I said he's the God who redeems. So you think that out. And then I just want to flesh this out. And just to let you know, um, I'm, I, I'm not using this so I can have information for my paper. I've already got, uh, so I'm, I'm not trying to cheat or anything like that. Although if you do have something good, I'll, I'll say that's really good. Can I use it? But otherwise, I'm, I'm not trying to steal that. But so I just want you to think about, I want you to be able to, to go sit at lunch today. And when somebody comes by and says, well, what did you talk about today? You can say, you know what? We formed our theology for practical ministry. And then they'd be like, oh, okay, wow. So, so you can throw out those big words. Okay, so what is, somebody tell me what is an attribute of God, who God is. I said Redeemer, you pick something. Okay, he's the Alpha Omega. Okay. So what exactly does Alpha and Omega mean? He's the beginning and the end. He is the A to Z is what he is. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Okay, so what exactly, um, what's that a biblical example of God being the Alpha and the Omega? Okay, so we can go back to um, Genesis 1. And talk about in the beginning, before there was anything else, there was God. Okay, so that he also is, um, what's an, he's the end, so what's a biblical example of that? Do what? Okay, he, he's being raised from the dead that says that like, I get the final say in that. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Like, you don't win because I, I, I'm even greater than death itself. You know, we, we talked about this a couple of years ago when we were talking about how important the ascension is. Because we always talk about the death, burial, and resurrection. But we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about the ascension of Jesus. That was really important, especially to those that first century because it was a reminder, not only is he still alive, but he's going to HQ. <laughs> like, he's still around. And so, as the first century tries to figure out what do we do with all of this, um, you have this um, uh, ecclesiology of what is the church and what, is it, what does it mean for us, and then ultimately it leads to God is in control, and at the very end he's coming back. And my prayer is, all the, all the time my prayer is, Lord, come quickly. And, and it's just not, I'm tired of this place, I want to get out of here. It's just, I believe that, that God has a plan for us, and, and I want to fulfill that plan here on earth, but man, I cannot wait till that, that plan ends. 
I'm really excited about that. I hope you're really excited about that. Lord, come quickly. I have plans for the rest of this year. I'm about to turn older. I'm going to get an entire year older in, in the matter of one day. I mean, it, it, I will, I'll, in one day I'm going to be 45, and the next day it, it goes up. They keep adding a year. I'm going to be older, right? And so I have these plans. Lord, if you want to come before I have to blow out those candles, come quickly. He's running out of time. I, there's, I only have a few days left. Come quickly. You are the Alpha and the Omega. Okay, so, um, and then I'm just going to put uh, Revelation. Yeah. Yeah, 22, 21. 2, 2, 2, 1. Okay, so, um, so how does that transform you? If you believe that God is the Alpha and the Omega, how does that change you, your worship, not just Sunday morning, but every day. How does that change you when you say, you know what, God is beginning and end? Okay. Okay. So, how does that transform you? Okay, so you, you recognize that you're not just an earthly physical being, you're a spiritual being. How does that transform you? Somebody else tell me, if you, if you believe God is the beginning and the end, how does that change your day-to-day -day life? Okay, so He's going to be with us no matter what we do. Okay, so I, I'm going to say this is a, oh, you know what, I'm going old school on this. Why not? This is blessed assurance. Yeah, well that, that's an oldie, isn't it? Blessed assurance. It's like we have that promise. How bad can things be when, when the one who you love and the one who worship and the one who loves you and the one who sacrifices for you says, hey, I'm the beginning and the end. I, I shared this story. It's been a long time ago, but I'll, I'll share it again. Is is the joys of having a, a father uh, who was a policeman. Y'all remember me telling this story? I was I was mouthy when I was a kid. I've I've calmed down a lot. Really, I am. I, I, I you know I'm not that way at all now, um, obviously. But I was a little mouthy. I just I just like to pick at people, and I never. I never could really back it up physically because, I mean, I was just I was just tiny. But I would still mouth off. I mean, I'd be like, yeah, okay, let's do this, right? And you, I can remember this, this, this actually happened. Playground, toe-to-toe -to -toe with a kid, and there's always words before. I always had to make sure that I got the words in because that was my only hope. Because once it went to fists, like, I was in trouble, right? I can take a hit. Uh, and just I just fall to the ground. I'm, I'll get back up and get hit again. Like that's so I was like, what am I gonna do? So it then always comes down to words. And this is how I broke down. Oh really? You're gonna hit me? That's fine. Hit me. I just want you to know I have a brother. He's in sixth grade, and if you mess with me, he's gonna come and he's gonna beat you up. You ever say that before? And then they would say what? Well, I've got a brother who's bigger than that, you know. And then I'd say, well, I've got a brother who's in eighth grade. And then they'd say, well, my dad will come and beat up your dad. And I literally said this. Oh, really? 
my dad is a policeman and he flies in a helicopter and he'll come down and shoot your whole family. <laughs> like that was like that was my trump card. And the thing is, it worked. Like that's why I still have such a good looking face, <laughs> right? Because I avoided this because I knew at the end of the day that that literally was the trump card. No one when you're in elementary school, like if you have a dad who's like a policeman, like bam, throw that and like, okay, mess with me now. Okay? Go back to the jungle gym. We're not doing this now. You don't want this to happen to you. I, I literally, that was like, and so that's, that's a humorous way, at least in my opinion, of reminding me of like, God is in control. Like, I don't have to worry about it. Like, I still, we were just talking the other day. Somebody was saying, well, you know, where do you think we're going to be? You, know, you think we're going to be back to to normal or whatever and I just said you know what there's absolutely nothing that has happened over the last 18 months that I would have said this is gonna happen like it just shocked me like everything that's happened I mean I can go I mean it's it's literally seems like a decade ago when I was standing uh, or sitting by the um, at the dining room table and Jennifer walked in and said I just got a text um, we are going to go on spring break like a week early or something like that. And I'm like, wow, I cannot believe like they're going to, they're going to try to flatten the curve. And so we're going to, that's such a funny thing to say now, flatten the curve. Um, and so like, we're going to take a, an extra week off. And I remember thinking, that's the craziest thing. Like I could not believe that. And you remember what happened? We never, the kids never went back to school that year. And I just remember thinking, like, this is Twilight Zone stuff. That did not surprise God at all. Like, he was not like, oh, no, how did this happen? What am I going to do? Oh, no, we're in big trouble here. Like, God knew that. And for, for me personally, and I know the last month, uh, 18 months has been difficult for different people, the, being closed in was the absolute best thing that could have happened for my family. Like we needed to have that time. We needed to come back together. And I just, I, I, I thank God that, that even though it's been difficult for a lot of families, for us it was something that like, it was difficult but it's something that we really needed. God was in control. He didn't just say, I've, I don't know what to do now. He is the beginning and the end. He already knows how it's going to end. Okay, so do we have a metaphor for this? The, the, the sun, that is perfect. I was thinking this was going to be a really uh, hard part of it. The, the sun rises and sets. What does it remember what Job says? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like, it's just... The, the sun is going to rise and the sun is going to set and that is all calculated by what God does. Like, we, I, I very occasionally get up early enough to see the sun rise. Even if I'm up at that time, Jennifer's like, once a year maybe. And it's never on purpose and I go right back to bed. But for those of you who choose to get up early and who choose to go outside and watch the sun rise, boy, isn't it just a run? God does that for us every single day. Every single day, he doesn't forget. He, his timing is not off. 
It's just perfect. Okay, so so now that is one. There is one of who God is. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and He is the end. There we go. I want to keep these. Who knows? Maybe someday we'll have a a series on this, and you'll have given me all the notes that I need. I am cheating now. Okay, so I need another attribute of God. He is just. Just what? He is just. Okay, so what's a biblical example or, or some biblical examples of God being a just God? Tell him I am who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm just. I, I'm just. I am. What's a? It, okay. Why don't you flesh out? Tell me a little bit more. What do you mean by God is just? Of uh, being what? Fair. Fair. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay, okay. So that that's a great explanation. God is just, and and the way that He works will be the way that He chooses to work, and and that's that's fair. Okay. Uh, what are some examples of that? Okay. Yes. Yeah, he could have said. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's really good too cuz um there there was a a plus and minus to that. So God being a just God is that when we go back to the garden of Eden, we have a God who didn't just say, "Oh, sin, that's not a big deal." But he also didn't say, "You I mean, no one had it easier than Adam and Eve." You know, the only two people on this earth who never had a belly button. Like they didn't have to deal with all the things that we had to go through, right? Like they I, they had it perfect. They had food, they had sustenance, they had I mean they were literally in paradise God had created for them. And they messed it up. And God could have said, you know, I told I told you not to do one just one thing. I, I this is what you don't do and you did the one thing I told you not to do. And then after they did it, they started blaming each other, including God. They, they Eve, I'm sorry, Adam, in my opinion, literally blames God for it. It's the one you put in the garden is the one who deceived me. Like, it's, it's her fault, but, but you're the one who, like, I'm, I'm kind of blaming you for that, God. Because if you hadn't given her to me, we wouldn't have this problem. That's what he was saying. That kind of, I mean, and so, and God could have said, I'm done. But he doesn't. 
And he does a couple of things, and we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about extraordinary women on a Wednesday night. We were at Eve. There's something that was really interesting is that, first off, and somebody pointed this after class, and so I'm going to chide all of you. When you have something you want to say in class, please say it. Because I people come up to me after class and say, well, I was going to say this, and then they just put have this most profound thought, and I'm like, why didn't you say that? That was a really good thought. And so they said, you know, what was uh, really interesting is that when Eve blamed Satan or, or the serpent, I never thought about this before, but God instantly believes her and starts off with the serpent. She says, the serpent is the one who deceived me, and God immediately turned and addressed the serpent. And I thought, that is really interesting. I've never thought about the fact that God was like, okay, you're right, but he is, he is partially to blame for this. And But also, what I think was really interesting about that, is as as God is addressing the serpent and he's giving down his his punishment he's going to say what he's going to say you know you're going to strike her heel or you're going to strike the heel of of her seed but he will crush your head and I just think that's a really big deal because Eve is still sitting there. She's in the principal's office. They're all sitting there. They're all in trouble. And she thinks it's the very end. But even as he mets out punishment upon the serpent, Eve is listening and she realizes it ain't over. Because I'm going to get to have through, through my seed is this this war is going to continue on but but we're going to win and i just think that's really powerful that that god a just god is going to say i am going to remove you from the garden and part of that is punishment but part of it is the last thing that god wants to a people that he loves is that they are able to eat from the tree of what of life and then what happens I mean, how many of you are sitting here at 40, 50, 60 years old and says, man, I wish I could have just, just another thousand years. Give me 1,000 more years to live here on this barb. It's like, there's no way, I don't want this. You know, um, like, I don't, I don't want to have to go through that. And so he says, look, I, I'm, I'm going to remove you from this now broken world, and I'm going to have a, a new world that a, a place where is going to be renewed and you're going to be a part of it and you won't have to deal with all the consequences that you caused here i'm going to give you another shot so so he is a just god he 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 mets out punishment but um he also gives a, a promise okay so how does that transform you to know that god is a just god Okay. Okay, there's there's a way back. How does that trans now let me just say that if you know that there is a way back, how does that transform your daily life? What do you what do you do differently? Because you know that God is a just God, John. Okay, it gives you peace. 
and I don't have to worry about a thing. I this is that's kind of the 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 stance that I take when I I think about people and and their sin and and the punishment that they deserve. And I've talked a little bit to my kids about this. I'm like, I'm really thankful that I don't have to deal with with handling that situation. When there are other people who aren't living the way I want them to live, like I don't have to work. That is God to handle. That's God's deal. I don't have to. I'm not gonna. That takes a really, really lot of energy. And I don't know if I'm just lazy. But I don't want to sit around thinking about all the people and all the problems that they have and how I think God should fix them. Because one, I just don't know how to. But man, I'm just saying, God, you handle that. Like there are people who are living, you, that is totally yours. Like I, all I know to do is like, I, gotta, I have to leave room for your judgment. Because you're a just God. And you're going to know exactly how to handle that. that. Um, there's us. A story in a, a movie, um, Sarah Sarandon, I can't remember the main guy else who's in it, Dead Men Walking, story of Matthew Poncelet who had brutally um, killed uh, a, a young couple just out of cold blood. Um, he's sentenced uh, to uh, execution, and then the, the movie really picks up how, how this man comes to, to know Jesus while on death row. And and you just think about how the family suffered. The family of the, that young couple that lost their life and said, man, I just, that guy just, he, I, hell is not hot enough for him. And then you hear this story about how he, he changes his life and, and he, he professes that Jesus is his Lord and it's like, I've, you know, I, I, I was terrible and I, it confessed his sin and he, he, he repented and before he um, dies, before he's executed, you know, he believes that there is a heaven for him and that God has a place for him. And I just say, you want to know what? God knows that situation. He completely understands that situation and how he wants to handle that is his. Yes. Okay, so that you're more forgiving that when you're treated unfairly because you know that there's a God who is able, he, he is just and, uh, and he, doesn't, he doesn't always pick the weeds uh, before harvest. And so he said, I will take care of that. And you say, you know what, I can be forgiving. I'm going to let you take over it. And then we get to, then we get to heat burning coals on their head. We, we're nice to them. We, we do that. And, and handle that. Okay, is there a metaphor that we can use for this? A, a just God? This one's a tough one. But, but one thing I do want to say before we move on. Does anybody have a metaphor? Can anybody think? I know we have some creative people in here. I can't tell you how badly I just want to bust out in song. <laughs> if this was not being recorded right now, which I need, I need to apologize. I don't know how many people we have, but 
they they probably all already shut down by now because they have they've been looking at a microphone the whole time. Um, we had the uh, the circle of life um, with Mufasa, uh, just talking about that that it's going to continue on, but but God is a just God. One thing I do want to remind us of, and I tell my kids all the time, this equal does not mean fair. Okay, I've had to tell my kids because you you guys know, especially when you have multiple kids and they have this issue with you know well uh, especially my sweet daughter Lily who sees the things that Wyatt gets to do now he was always a couple years older than her so you know he he got to have friends over before she could and he got to do this before she could and then she looks at Gracie and Gracie's like well she gets to do more than I ever got to do because y'all are so lenient upon her I'm like yeah but you don't understand like when you were a kid like like, if you drop your pacifier, like, we at least washed it off. With Wyatt, we, like, sterilized it. With her, we washed it off. And Gracie was born, like, she dropped the pacifier. It's like, here you go, put it back in the mouth. Like, it's just, we handle life differently now. And so, fair does not always be. And I think we have to get over that hump when we think about God. Because you can easily look around and say, things uh, are not equal. Okay? We're, but they're fair. Uh, and God has his a way, because he's a just God. Ooh. Oh, I almost did it. That would have been bad. Mm -hmm. Circle of life. There we go. Now, if I could, if I could somehow wrap that song into it. How are we doing here? Oh, okay. That was... Good. Okay, so someone else tell me who God is. Okay, you're loving. I, I knew that had to come up. Okay, somebody else tell me. Give me a biblical example of God being loving. Okay, well, that you can't look. Don't look down. What's John three sixteen say? Don't don't start scrolling. Okay, I heard a lot of King James in that. A lot of King, nothing wrong with that. that that's I know. I, I I can remember that too. I was I was nine before the NIV came out, so I most of my song, my memory verses early on were uh, of the King James version. For God so loved the world that He gave. Okay, so that's an example. I'm going to press you on this one because I knew once loving came up, John three sixteen would come up. Can you give me another biblical example? And I hope you can. If you can't, we're all in trouble. Um, if God is a loving God, what's a biblical example of that? Okay. Okay. Um, I know exactly what you're saying. I'm just trying to think of a way to, to write that down. Um, and I'll just say, there are many things that, that I admire about Jesus. I mean, the, the miracle, 
that he does. His teaching is amazing. But my absolute favorite thing, my favorite attribute about Jesus is how he how perfectly he handles relationships and conversations and how he he works with the angry Pharisees and the adulterous woman and the denying Peter and the criminal next to him on the cross and the people who are spitting on him. And it just, every time he has an interaction with Nicodemus, who's like the upper class, and the woman at the well, who's lower class, I mean, he just perfectly handles those situations. Uh, he sees into them, and he just, over and over again, what we see is that he loves them. He loves, he loves the guy who says, you know, what, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And, you know, what you follow, he, he follows all the laws, and he says, well, one thing you still lack, sell everything, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the man walks away, and... And the gospel writer says, Jesus looked at him and what? And he loved him. It's like he was heartbroken that this guy was walking away. Well, you know, good riddance was not what he said. Okay, so uh, knowing that God is a loving God, how does that transform me? Yes, sir. Yeah. All, all things are possible. He says it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. And they said, well then, well then who can do it? And he says, well it's impossible with man, but not with God. Right. Thank you for adding on to that. So how does that transform you? If you believe, if you say God is a loving God, I want, you to, I want you to be very specific because this is a softball. This is like, I mean, we're just pitching up the easiest one you're going to get. I want you to knock this out of the park. Be very specific. How does, this, how does this transform change the way you live out daily? What's something that you do differently because you know God is a loving God? Okay. Okay, if... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was only love because, like, the system was now broken. Um, yeah. And not only did he let it go on, but then he provided a solution for him that was going to be very, very costly. Okay. Jackie, you had a, a, a statement? Yeah, what do you do for a living? You teach special ed, and so do you think that do you think that your view of God transforms the way that you deal with? Yeah, and all kids are hard to deal with, but I mean you have some some other challenges on top of that, and I I mean I just my heart goes out to to families who. Um, who work with or live with who have special ed uh, education children in their family who and and 
the time and effort that required. I mean, I, I've always, you know, kind of joked around about, you know, we, we raise our kids so that they can leave the house. You know, we want them to go out and be productive members of society and, and figure out who God is and how it changes their life. And there, there are families who God blessed them with uh, a child who has uh, physical or mental impairments. And there are families that, that are, you know, picking up their 30-something-year-old child and putting them in a bathtub and taking care of them every day. And I think having an understanding of God who is loving um, really affects how you can teach in the classroom. And th I think that's why we have, I mean, that's, that was kind of what was n noticed about um, the Christians of, of the first century. They ran to the, the children who had been thrown out and, and took care of them. They went to the lepers. They went to the people who were hurting and said, we are going to care for and love people and it, they were motivated by the fact that we serve a God who is loving and caring. And that, that literally changed how they lived life. So, Lynn, I know you had your hand up, and then I kind of saw it. Yeah, and then Bob after that. Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I think so, but I mean, I just see, you know. Well, obviously Jesus yields to him. Yeah, it does. But but Jesus does say, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so the way that he is, the treatment that he has towards other people is, I, I think, a manifestation of, of who God is, the fact that that's how he chooses to love and that we are the way that Christ 
Christ loves other people is a direct correlation to how God loves us. Okay. Yeah. That it, and it goes back to John three sixteen. That 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 God gave. You know, it, it was initiated. It comes the the love comes from from God first. He is he is the originator of that. Bob. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a, a really good point because we can look throughout the, the Old Testament and, and even on into the New Testament, but especially the Old Testament, and we can see the way that God punishes. And, and you can say, wait, okay. You know, we're like, oh, great, the Israelites, these, these people who continue to mess up, God is going to wipe out all these different people so that his favorite people can walk in and say, okay, we get the great land that you've been living in. And if you sit there and think about that, wait, well, that's not right. But if you go back and read throughout the Old Testament, you can see that there are times that God is like, he's waiting for the Canaanites, the people living in that land, to turn from their evil ways. Like, there's specific examples of, like, God says, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm giving them a shot. And at, at a point where it's like, okay, like, I, I'm not going to allow them to continue on in this because um, all they're doing is is killing each other and sacrificing their children and so you just have to trust that that a loving god is going to handle that situation and that the the worst thing that could have happened for this world if he just stepped back and said fine i'll you know you you want to think of evil all the time can you imagine what terrible things can come from that so okay but i'm going to be this is i see kids coming so we're almost out of time but I, I want I want to write down something specifically. How is something in, in this week changed because you believe God is loving? Yes.
and I, I, I went super specific and you just gave that. Okay, so um, I'll give you my address. Okay, and you can mow my lawn. No, I don't. You can mow my, or you can just bring me food. Either one or both. I'm, that would be fine. So, um, I really, God is a super loving God. He's caring. He loves all of us. How does that change your week? What is something that happens that happened last week, or or you plan to do this week? Because God is a loving God. Where does theology come into practice? Okay. Yeah. I just put love the students. But like, love the students who have a perfect attendance. Because if you're a teacher, you know... The, the kids who are the most difficult never miss school. They're always like they're always there. Perfect attendance every year. All perfect attendance. Love the kids who are always there. And sadly, they're probably always there because they might live in a place where they're not wanted there. And so, if you believe in a loving God, then it, you have to rethink. Okay. Frustrated with that kid, if I could have one day without them, if if one time, you know, if, if they would stop fidgeting, if they would stop bursting out, if they would if they would try some type of hygiene, like to clean up and not I mean, like if, if you have all these things, but if, if you believe that God really is a God of love and He loves us then it changes the way that you deal with him. Okay, I'm still not going. I, the kids disappeared, so you're out of luck. We, I'm going to keep going. How are you transformed because God is love? How is your theology of who God is change what you're going to do this week? I was... I'll just say that love yourself. You, you, you have to love yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, your mind. And the second one is like unto it. Bless you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love yourself. We have some non-self-loving um, people in this room. You don't love yourself. But if you believe that God is a loving God, it should transform how you think about yourself. I'm telling you, I, it's only half joking. Like, I, I grew up hating myself. I hated how I looked. I literally have nothing on my face that matches. I shared, I joke around with some of the kids sometime when we have a class. Like, I have ears. They don't match. They literally, and they're always like, look, they don't match. I have an eye that squints. I have a, a cut down my lip. I have nostrils that are uneven. Now I have a, because of this weird thing I had in college, when I smile, like this side doesn't go up high enough. Like I look in the mirror and I'm like, I hate myself. I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way that I'm, 
I'm not as smart as the other kids. I was never an all-star. I, I set the bench if I even got picked up on a team. Like I hated myself. But, but if I believe that God is a loving God, then I have to just come to the grips that, that God created me and that He loves me. And that I have to change how I think about myself. And it's really a miserable existence to hate yourself. I know this. Don't love yourself. God loves you. And if you really, really believe that God is a loving God, that that's your theology, then your practice is, I need to come to, to love myself the way He loves me. I, do it! Just, just start, start loving yourself. Uh, and then we could flesh that out for about a 16-week series, but we don't have time. So, what else? I, I show that, I'm going to let you out early, but I want uh, 120 more seconds. And then you're still getting out early, because I'm that good. <laughs> what else? How does, this, how does a loving God transform you? What, is, what will tomorrow look like differently? How will you do something differently tomorrow, because you believe God loves you? How will it or how should it? Okay. So I, I know you're, I, I'm going to write down patience, but I'm also going to say this. I'm going to add this in because I know you, and this could get me in a lot of trouble, but um, I'm going to put in be nice to Doug. That is how your theology of God is... Can they, they gang up on me. This is not a joke. This is true. Lance and Bob, they gang up on me. They pick on me. I come into the office, and they are just looking for words. Lance literally says he does push-ups before he comes to work so he can get geared up about making fun of me. And then Bob piles on. Yeah, my dad is a policeman. Yeah, I'm going to call him. Yeah. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. See, it's weird to have somebody on my side. They're always like tag-teaming on me. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we do. And I, I dish it out with Bob. I, I love Bob more than, than he'll ever know. And just fantastic to have him around. But don't tell him I said that. Um, I just want to have the poor, pitiful me... Um, he gangs up on me, he and Lance, and it's terrible. So, okay, we're out of time. Okay, so I just want you to think about this. I, please think about this. This week, I, I, I dare you, do this homework. I want you to sit down and write something that you believe about God, who God is. Okay, think about some biblical examples. And then here's the big one. I want you to think, how does that transform me? If I believe that God is patient, how will my life play out differently? How, how will I handle people differently? Because I, I think this is really important. I don't think theology is just this pie-in-the-sky type of deal. I think it really, when we focus on who God is, it should change how we live life. And I want to encourage you to do that because this week people need to see God and they can see it through you. Kenneth is going to close us out with the, the last comment.
that that is biblical. If God is going to love and forgive us, then how does that transform us? We need to love and forgive others, including ourselves. So thank you for joining me in this, what, what would otherwise be somewhat of an academic exercise. Uh, so now you can go home and talk about theology and uh, philosophy and how, it trans- and how that transforms you. Let's close out in prayer and we'll be dismissed. God, I just I thank you again for being the God that you are. And Lord, I just pray that we will recognize that and then also allow ourselves to be transformed uh, because of, of who you are, how you treat us, and the sacrifice that you made through your son, Jesus. Lord, there are people in this world who don't know who you are, and we can, we can help them see who you are by the way that we treat them. And so, Lord, I pray that we'll do it this week, that we will be transformed daily by your son, Jesus. It's all in his name that I pray. Amen.